1: Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.
0: This is Long Shots, Vison's premier golf betting podcast. Here's Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, and Kelly Bidlin.
2: Hello, and welcome to VEASAN's Long Shots. It is Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, Kelly Bidlin coming at you. It is a Charles Schwab Challenge Edition coming off of a major. We still see some big names Heading into the field, Wes, I was able to talk to Kelly for a few minutes yesterday about the disaster that was the PGA for me and pretty much for Kelly as well. Luckily ran into some backdoor finishing position markets that were able to salvage uh, what could have been a complete and total disaster. What was the tournament kind of result there for you?
3: Yeah, basically it was a break even, kind of a wash because of those placement markets and because of the matchups. Uh, obvious air ball on any of the outrights. Uh, when your best finisher is your biggest long shot, you know, you got of <laughs> ask yourself some questions. And that was Cam Davis, uh, who had a great Sunday round and has been very popular from what I've seen in terms of uh, recommended selections for Colonial this week. But look, I got to give credit to Brooks Kepka. I think Brooks Kepka, you know, I don't think this was a win for Liv. I think this was a win for Brooks Kepka and his team and and he showed that the Masters performance was not a fluke and that he was able to compete here and uh and you know, when Victor Hovland hit that errant shot on 16, that pretty much ended it, but Brooks Kepka gets the win even though the big story of course was Michael Block, the club pro uh uh, not only making the cut, but being on the first page of the leaderboard and essentially hitting a hole-in-one for him to make the PGA Championship next year. So now Michael Block's getting invitations from all over the place. He's playing more PGA Tour events than Sun J.M. right now. So, you know, uh, I, I, but, I, but I, I mean, a lot of people didn't like, We're like, oh, we've had enough of this story. I couldn't get enough of it. I thought it was great. It was and awesome. I thought he, I thought he was in the moment, and I thought he was enjoying it. I mean, even Rory, who had yet another disappointing major, even though he's on the periphery of contention, he was all about it. And, mm. and, and you know, you know, letting him know, hey, that went in, you got a hole in one. And then when Block made that up and down on 18 to uh, make the PGA next year, I thought it was a good event. I thought Oak Hill was, uh, you know, held up and was obviously a good and fair test for the players.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, it's one of those things where we we talk about Scheffler and Rom and to a lesser extent at this point Rory, but you know, with Brooks Kepka when he was when he was in his prime, Kelly, he was going out and doing this at majors every single week, and then he got hurt, and when he got hurt, he played like crap, and we see a lot of guys that get hurt and play like crap, and then he said, "Hey, I'm finally fully healthy. I feel like I'm the old me again," and he's gone out and he's proven it. This is not a shocker. This is not like, oh, this guy like suddenly remembered how to play golf. Like, it's hard to play golf as it is anyway. And it's real damn hard to play when you're hurt and when you're injured, especially in a knee situation. Like, it's just very hard to be a, a good golfer week in, week out. He's finally healthy and he's just doing what he was doing before he got hurt. And so, like, I don't think that this is a surprise by any stretch. And had he not gotten hurt, you know, we probably would be talking about him right there with the Scotties and the ROMs and the whatever, certainly whenever the big tournaments rolled around because that's whenever he showed up and played. And so, you know, I'm, uh, there are a lot of, you know, people who were texting me like, man, can you believe this? I'm like, well, yeah, I can believe this. He's like one of the best golfers (laughs) on the planet. He got hurt and then like, and now he's healthy again.
3: And he got his confidence back too. If you watch full swing where he was like, man, I can't win anymore. Because I think Brooks joined this live tour, by the way, because he was maybe not convinced that he was mm-hmm. going to remain injury free. And that's like, okay, this is my retirement plan. And now he's back to being, you know, arguably one of the better players in the world.
4: Yeah. It's kind of a shame that, that, that it, like, I think everybody's thrown that out West. And I, I think the same thing too. It's like how, if he was healthy, would he have made that jump to live? It's, it's really something I don't think we'll ever really know. Um, and it's a shame, man. Because yeah, he he's a guy that I I think we we all have these these players in, in different sports that, man, we we might not like them off the field or off the court or whatever, but gotta respect what they do what they do on the field on the court. And man, Brooks, when his game is on, I mean, he's a killer. Like he just he gets that look in his eye and reminds you of, reminds you of MJ or something like that, where it just feels like no nobody's gonna beat him. And and I I'd include. Um, you know, the, I would include, include the Roms and Shufflers and the Rory's of the world in that mix. When we I mean, we saw all those guys going up against each other five years ago, like that was that was the case when Brooks was on the top of his game. So I, you know, spinning this forward, I, I think it's it be, makes we, we we've been talking all year long or all season long about how do you handle these top three guys at the top of the board whenever they're in these events, and how do we bet them from an outright. Uh, aspect. And it, it's, I think it mud, muddies things even more uh, with what Brooks has done, you know, both at the masters and, and, and now at the PGA championship where we don't get to see much of them. We don't get stats. Mm-hmm. Obviously all three of us rely heavily on that for, for when we're prepping for these tournaments. And it's, man, I think you've yeah. got to think it's going to be a leap of, of faith, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it really is. Yeah. For, for you got to think guys. of those, yeah. those three guys and then sort of Brooks now too, or maybe mm-hmm. it's those two guys and sort of Rory and Brooks now, and I think that makes it even tougher when we talk at top odds boards at these big events.
3: Brooks now a second also in the USA Ryder Cup standing. So Ryder Cup, by the way, for those that don't know, run by the PGA of America and not the PGA Tour. So it's not like the President's Cup where it's like, okay, you're not a member of the tour, you can't play. So Brooks kept it in very good shape. And Zach Johnson, the captain, even said, yeah, I'll pick him if he's one of our best 12. And it looks like he has eliminated that decision. He was number two in the standings now.
2: And if you weren't paying attention because of the story that was out there about how difficult the course was and all the things like that, yeah, just, oh, ho-hum, Scotty Scheffler, another second-place finish. <laughs> yeah. like just kind of hangs he, around. He yeah, all he, he even does, play that great. Yeah, all he does is just go out and, and top 10, basically every single one of these tournaments that he plays in. It's it's obscene. The guy is so good because, as Wes just mentioned, he doesn't even have to have his A+. plus. He's so good that he doesn't have to have his A-plus game to finish in the top five of majors. I mean, like, that's how absurd this this guy is. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's, it feels like the past two weeks he's missed about
4: eight putts between five and ten feet, and you're like, man, if, if any of those fell, like, wh- what the difference could be in those two tournaments? It could be massive, and it's it's still the one part, still the one part of his game where it's like you'll see him go so great tee to green, and then you're like, Scott, geez, how did you miss two of these in the past well, four holes what, or whatever, what you, right?
2: And the thing is, it's even more amazing. It just goes to show again just how good this guy is, which is why he is, like, the incredible short shot this week in this tournament – Dude, in in the third round, you never see this from Scotty. He lost to the field in round three in, like, three of the major categories. Like, like, Mm -hmm. and still finished second in this tournament. Like, he (laughs) lost in three of the major categories in the third round of the tournament. Like, heading into the final round, and he still finishes in friggin' second. I mean, it's just like... you know, and again, I guess that's a pretty good transition to where we're, where we're headed right now to the Charles Schwab, where he's four to one to win the damn thing. You know, and like the next closest guy, Victor Hovland, Tony Finau, Jordan Spieth, all sitting at fourteen to one. But we'll get to the uh, odds board here in a second. But Wes, why don't you take us over to Colonial and let us know what we're looking at this week?
3: Yeah, the Colonial Country Club. Uh, by the way, the last year for this uh, current configuration, because Gil Hands, who got rave reviews for Southern Hills last year at the PGA championship is going to take over the renovation. And I think make this a little bit more imaginative, maybe make it a little bit more difficult. Uh, it's difficult enough as it is. It is a, uh, a par 70 going to play at about 7,209 yards. It is in Fort Worth, Texas. This event, by the way, uh, has been held at this course every year since 1946. So even though it's not a quote unquote designated event, this is still an important event to the PGA tour with a lot of history, a lot of tradition, named, you know, Hogan's Alley after Ben Hogan, who obviously is from the area and won five times here on his home track. So what I think makes this difficult is you got really tight fairways, 28 yards on average fairway width, fourth narrowest on tour, smallest greens, 5,000 square feet. So six smallest on tour fairways and rough. The rough's going to be about three inches. That's Bermuda, but the greens are bent. And they're going to roll at about 12 and a half to 13 on the stip meter. So pretty fast. You don't necessarily have to have huge power uh, here, even though the last two winners, uh, Sam Burns and Jason Kokrak, obviously can pr- get it out there pretty well off the tee. But you've seen a lot of ball strikers win here over the years. The the Daniel Burgers and the Kevin Kisners and the Jordan Speeps, Chris Kirk, Zach Johnson, David Toms this is like within the last decade and plus a couple years, not exactly bombers off the tee. So you can kind of see, you know how it's going to play at least a little bit Four water hazards on six holes, 84 bunkers, 12 of the 18 holes are dog leg holes. Uh, so opens with the short par five and then, or with a par five and then a short par four. So you start off with like arguably the two easiest holes on this golf course. Then you get to what's called, you know, we have the bear trap and, you know, all these little nicknames for these hard stretches of holes. The Horrible Horseshoe is what they have at Colonial here. Holes <laughs> 3 through 5. Uh, three of the toughest holes on the layout. I think since '03, 3 the second most difficult three-hole stretch on the PGA Tour. So, if you're looking, you know, kind of correlated courses, Harbortown, I think Sedgefield, Southern Hills, maybe a little TPC Sawgrass, Pebble Beach kind of had some carryover of guys who have won at those places who have also won at this place.
4: Yeah, I think that just real quick to add on to Mm that, you know, the early stretch of holes, I think that keep that in mind for any live betting this weekend, right? Where those are, those are the the two most scorable holes. You're going to get one, two, and then you go into that really difficult stretch. It's just obviously a variety of situations could pop up, but whether it's guys you're looking to play before, maybe they even tee off a couple guys go low early or something like that. You might get slight adjustment in the odds, I, just, just something to keep in mind because you don't rare. It's not often we see, uh, you know, a stretch like that, especially to start a course. Uh, you know, where it's one, two, pretty easy, and then three through five, really brutal.
2: So, guys, I don't want to like, I don't want to start this pot off on on kind of like the the wrong foot here. But you you start to look at the odds board, and I was squeezing very very hard to try to find any value this week on any guys. Like, I mean. Look, Scotty Sheff was four to one. It's probably rightfully priced. It was four and a half yesterday. A lot of people jumped in on him at four and a half because he's just that much better than everybody. And and so he's now four to one. But now you're getting these numbers on Vic and Finau and Spieth and Morikawa and Sungjae. And these are all dudes that, I mean, I guess you can kind of take Finau out of that equation here. But like, you know, guys that have struggled to win of late, they've been in contention, but struggled to win of late. That we're getting... 14, 16, 18, you know, on these dudes. And it's just now you get to that middle part. And what that does is just kind of suck all the value out of the middle part, too, because we're getting super short numbers on, you know, Justin Rose is 25. It's Fowler's 28. Hint Russell Henley Mm. is 30. You know, it's just we're getting these numbers here that was it it was tough for me, Kelly. I don't know as as you were kind of looking up and down the odds board what you thought of it, but man, like it's just i'm not saying that we can't make money in on an odds board like this or something but i sure hate seeing all these little tiny numbers next to dudes where i feel like these odds when i look at kind of my fair on a lot of these guys i'm talking like i feel like it's 10 points off for a lot of these guys yeah it's uh it's it's tough
4: i I thought the top of the board was interesting i I didn't really i didn't make any bets there and outright wise I'm, i'm pretty light this week uh as far as money laid out at least but um The you know like Scheffler, I think that price is right. Hovlin, you know Hovlin, that probably that price is probably right. But like anybody interested in playing Hovlin after after that heartbreaker of a finish, like that's an easy scratch off for me. Tony Finau, I actually think that might be your best bang for the buck price at the top of the board. A, A guy you know missed cut last week, but was has been an incredible form and winning obviously earlier in the season. I can make an argument. He gets two, day, you know, two days extra to kind of reset his mind and prepare for this tournament. So that one, I kind of like. Jordan Spieth, um, he played fine last week, but even he keeps making comments about this wrist hurting him in different parts of his game. So that's an easy cross off for me. So I, I would, look. I think that it's probably a Scheffler fee now. One of these guys near the top of the board. But to your point, then Matt, then you get down to guys that okay, it's been a while since Morikawa has won, and his form isn't exactly in great shape right now. Sung J.M. we talk about all the time, not with the win equity not being there. So, yeah, I I think outright, um, you need to be a little bit careful with or go further down the board. But I hear you, that mid-range, and I did end up making a couple bets in that middle range. But yeah, you're playing numbers that, yeah, you would expect to be a little bit longer. Price shopping, very important this week. I'll say that. (laughs) Because I I think some very
2: wide, varied prices on those mid-range guys. Yeah, Wes, I don't know what you thought about it um. whenever you're kind of looking at the at the board but it's just like so for me you go and you know in years past I think we were able to find kind of value right in the middle of the board and and have some bets in there that we felt like you know what it might not hit but I feel good about putting this bet in there at this number and I think my problem with the mid-range right now is like I don't feel great about the clicks, right? Like I don't feel good about the number that I'm throwing into the account on a lot of these mid-range guys. And maybe it's because if you, if we start in January, it's John Ron, John Rahm, Max Homa, Justin Rose, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, you know, there was a Chris Mm -hmm. Kirk, there was a Chris Kirk win in there, yeah, we, yeah, had, there was. we had we had Kinyama. <laughs> kidyama
3: yeah. was a bomb so you've only had a couple like real bombs this year right
2: it's just like that's you know burns scheffler connors rom fitzpatrick Clark at you know. the wells
3: fargo was a little now, bit of a longer price jason
2: day kept it's just you know it's it, we're not really we're not really getting many of those mid-range guys like because the, the guys that haven't won that aren't the top guys have been more kind of on the bomb side of things and so like I just I don't feel great about putting the mid-range dudes in there. I mean, Clark won at 72-to-1. Taylor Moore won at 65-to-1. You know, it's it's Kitiyama was was 80-to-1 or 90-to-1 or something. So it's like any of these dudes in this kind of like 30-ish range, I don't know. I just don't feel warm and fuzzy about the click.
3: Yeah, and, and, and I certainly understand that because if you look at the history of this event, that's where a lot of the winners have come, save for Speef in 2016 when he was 7-to-1. Uh, And, you know, I I think Adam Scott was 18 to one when he won this in 2014. But if you look, Burns was 30 to one last year. Uh, Kokrak was 50 to one. Berger was 70 to one. That was the first event, I believe, back, uh, uh, you know, for COVID year Mm -hmm. when you didn't have spectators and Berger won in that playoff over Marikawa. Kevin Na the year before was 70. Justin Rose is one at 23. Kisner at 33. So it's typically mid-range guys. But. There, w- when you have such a big favorite, it it does you know require at least a little bit of a leap of faith because I went with a couple mid-range and then I mm-hmm. went with a couple long shots here right. this week. And I think that there are arguments that you can make for some longer odd guys, even though this is always an invitational field. So it's always usually a little bit more of an exclusive field, despite the invite for Michael Block, who will be uh, playing this week <laughs> at Colonial. Uh, it is a more you know it's only 120 players so it's 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 an invitational even though it's not one of the designated events this year for prize money
4: now real quick though Matt I do want I do want to remind you or, or we should keep in mind when I was looking down this recent winners list and I had to go double check a couple things but uh pretty dang sure either both of us or one combination of the two of us has hit the outright here in the past three years. Sammy burns. Sammy Burns the year before, Coke Crack the year before, and I had Burger in twenty twenty. Yeah. So, so I, I actually, I mean, hey, uh, you know, this, this might not be the sexiest event for us here this this year, but uh, if if history prevails.
2: Yeah, but if you remember, yeah, but if you remember, co crack was at eighty to one, and like you know, like there is just it was <laughs> yeah, just, I'm just you saying, know, <laughs> yeah, it's just like you know, I don't know, just the mid range where I used to like kind of make my bread and butter is just I don't know, I'm not gonna say it's dried up, but I it's it's not it's as dry. Sexy. yeah it's not as sexy as it used to be uh, i'll just put it that way in years past yeah the
3: the only guys that you can really go with and that'll be a theme on my card are guys Mm -hmm. for the most part that have played well because this is a pretty predictive event Mm
2: -hmm. you get
3: guys if you look at the form sheet you get guys that play well here like every year obviously speef comes to mind i I don't think i think he's finished out of like the top 10 twice in over a decade speef and uh you know, some other guys that have played well here, Brian Harmon, Ryan Palmer, guys that have like multiple top fives or top tens here. So this is a pretty predictive event at least.
2: So let's, uh, let's get to our models here. I'll, I'll start off cause I, I rarely ever do that. So I'll see if y'all, y'all went differently than me. I, I didn't do anything on distance because it doesn't look, I mean, th- there, there's no data that shows that distance is an actual benefit at this course. Um, so I, I didn't go distance. I, I did a lot of kind of basic, just kind of basic ass stats. I mean, tee to green, weighted tee to green approach, weighted approach, um, bogey avoidance and greens and regulation because of the ways that these greens uh, do. I I actually, which, which I very rarely do, but I put a little bit of putting on bent grass in there because we've actually seen like. I don't know if it's just the way these greens are laid out, but like more putts made from 10 to 20 feet at this tournament over the last five years than, than most every other tournament on tour. So uh, guys that maybe have had some success putting on bent grass, I went ahead and and, and threw that in there just a little bit Uh, good drive percentage. Like I said, I'm not really necessarily worried about about distance on this thing. And then, uh, and then just a little bit of opportunities gained and, and that's kind of how I'm going. I, I didn't go too crazy on this one. I didn't go too wonky because a, a lot of the quotes from the guys that have played here a ton and specifically, you know, Jordan Spieth, who one has had success here and probably played this course as, as much as anyone. It's, it just says like, there's no right or wrong answer as the type of golfer that that wins here. There's no right or wrong answer as the, the type of way to play this course. He's like, you just kind of play your game and, and if you're on that week, then you, you're, you, you kind of go at it. So that's where I am heading into this one. Kelly, what did you, any, any big differences on your end?
4: Uh, not really, you know, strokes scanned off the T did still factor that in small, uh, good drives like you talked about heavy on approach opp- opportunities, gained. focused on, uh, some of those proximities from like 125 to 175 is where I factored in the most, um, Par four is 400, 450 yards. There's seven of them that fall under that category this week, so I thought I'd include that. A little bit of scrambling and a little bit around the green, just scrambling more around the green play here, relatively easy, actually, but the, with the greens being so small, it's usually something I always include when the greens are so small. Scrambling, winds pick up, this rough, you know, it's it's not the thickest, but you hear these guys talk about this Bermuda rough, and it, you can get in funky lies, and, you know, I'm not really sure how it's going to, come out of there. So scrambling, I thought was uh, important to at least kind of include this week. Um, and then bogey avoidance. And yeah, I looked, uh, you know, heavy, heavy putting on bent this week.
2: Wes, you see anything differently than us?
3: Yeah, pretty similar. And, and a lot more general for me this week as well. I did do strokes gained approach. Uh, I also did greens and regulation gained, which, you know, you usually get a little bit of a crossover between those two, but there's some minor differences. The greens and regulation rate, by the way, only about like 63% here. So you are going to have to grind out pars because you can get bogeys that add up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I did. That's why I also had bogey avoidance as well. I had a combination of good drives and fairways gained because these fairways are pretty narrow. Mm-hmm. You don't want to miss. You can get in some trouble on on some of these lies in the rough. Uh, I did general strokes gained par four, and then I also did a little strokes gained uh, putting on bent grass. These greens really don't have a lot of contours to them. So if it's pretty even, then you want to rely on guys that – you know, are pretty more consistent, much consistent putters on these bent grass uh, greens. I I think one of the things that the Hans renovation is going to do, he wants to give these greens, you know, make them a little bit more difficult other than maybe the faster speed on the stint meter, give them more contours, give them more undulations in the near future.
2: Guys, uh, if you want to go ahead, hit that pause button. We do appreciate it. Head down, give us a little five-star rating. Leave us a comment. Tell everybody how great this podcast is. Other than, outside of last week, tell everyone how great it was. I we mean, were been making money like every like. Just tell her, you know, we've been making money on this podcast pretty much every week. So just you know, outside of last week, just tell everybody how great this thing is. We do appreciate the uh, the ratings and the reviews and and all you guys. Uh, you know, again, just uh, helping us out and climbing the charts and everything out there. We'll get to our full betting cards here in just a second. But before we do, we gotta head around the world with Wes Reynolds.
3: Yeah. And we're going to start in Holland, uh, the DP world tour at the KLM open. Uh, he was the Dutch open KLM, the Royal Dutch airlines now back as the sponsor, Victor Perez comes back to defend his title. Remember we hit on him, uh, uh, earlier this year at Abu Dhabi, I uh, had the highest finish of anyone that's in this DP World Tour. Fear that the PGA finished a respectable 12th. He is the co favorite with Adrian Moronk, who we got a couple weeks ago at the Italian Open. Moronk was third, by the way, behind uh, Victor Perez here last year in this event. Rasmus Hoygaard's in this event at 22 to 1. Alex Bjork at 25 to 1. Jordan Smith at 25. Age, or Antoine Rosner at 28 and then you got some guys at 35 yo Slouten of course who is from the Netherlands who's a two-time winner of this event albeit not on this course Adrian Otegi Romain Longass and Jorge Campillo who won earlier this season in Kenya so it's a it, it's a relatively new course it's only the third time they play this it's called Bernardus golf course par 72 74 45 it's designed by a guy by the name of kyle phillips who if you know him he's designed a few courses on the dp world tour most notable kings barns which is part of that dunhill length rotation so that's kind of what i used a little bit because you got to be you know a little bit creative sometimes uh, when trying to find winners on the dp world tour pretty wide fairways though uh really good bent grass greens uh so It was a little bit higher scoring last year. Victor Perez won this at 13 under. The year before, Christopher Broberg won it at 23 under. Perez, by the way, beat Ryan Fox in the playoff. Fox is in the colonial field this week. And Fox and Minwoo Lee, by the way, got their special temporary PGA Tour membership last week got enough points uh, with their performances at the PGA. So they're probably going to be playing stateside most of the rest of the year, except around the open championship. So, uh, you know, I I don't really do a ton of stats on the DP world tour. Just a lot of it is because it's compressed Mm -hmm. for time, but what I did play this week, I played Jorge Campio at 34 to 1. Missed the cut two weeks ago in Belgium after he was like on fire. He had, I think, a top ten in his last five events, including that win in Kenya. Number one in strokes gain total over that five week period. Just didn't putt very well in Belgium. I think he can rebound here. Then another guy, Callum Shankwin, 60 to 1 who returned from injury a few weeks ago at the Italian Open, posted a top 10, and then missed two straight cuts, including at the PGA last weekend. But was T2 last fall at the Dunhill-Links championship where Kingsbarns, I mentioned, is part of that road along with uh, St. Andrews and Carnoustie. So he's played on that Cal Phillips design. And then the Cal Phillips link also shows up. 2017 Scottish Open, Dun Donald-Links, where he should have won the event. I actually had him at like a 300-to-1 shot, and he misses a four-foot putt on 18, loses to Rafa Cabrera-Beo, in the playoffs. So Callum Shankin, 60 to 1. Matthew Pavon, 66 to 1. And and this is kind of going on recent form because the week of the PGA, a lot of the European guys that were not in the PGA championship had an early US Open qualifying and they had it at Walton Heath. And Matthew Pavon was one of the seven players out of the 80 to make it out of that qualifier. So he'll be at the LA Country Club for the US Open. Good history on Cal Phillips designs was third at that Scottish open that was held a few years ago. I mentioned 36 hole leader at the Italian open uh, three weeks ago, but had a bad Sunday round that plummeted him down to 32nd. But I think his mindset's focused. He just made the U.S. open. He's got some feel good. So Pavon, 66 to one. Grant Forrest, 66 to one. Four top tens, including two top fives in his last six starts. Uh, I think he could go very well here. Plays very well on Lynxian style courses, which Bernardus is. Matty Schmid, 95 to 1, has played primarily on the PGA Tour this year, but has not fared very well. He's, uh, I think, only made three of 11 cuts. So, definite drop in class going back to the DP World Tour. Second here two years ago. And posted a top 10 uh, two years ago at the Dunhill Links, as I mentioned at Kings Barnes. And then another guy who's got some feel good that did qualify for the U.S. Open, uh, Ross Fisher, 100 to 1, former European Ryder Cupper. Still one of the longer hitters off the tee on the DP World Tour. Three career runner ups at that Dunhill Links. So I think he'll like this setup this week. Uh, other events, uh, nothing yet for the senior PGA. I uh, Probably will have something. There is also a LPGA match play. It's actually being held right here at Las Vegas at Shadow Creek. So maybe something on that later this week. And then Live DC at uh, Trump National Golf Club in DC. I think I'm going to probably have a flyer on, not really a flyer. He's not a total long shot, but Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. That's another guy. He played well last week. And, you know, it was a longer course, and its I guess it's not a total shocker. He was first-round leader, by the way. Nice price if you had that at 80-1. to But Bryson DeChambeau, I think, could maybe go very well this week. So he is a guy that uh, I will certainly be looking to play at least this week. I'm going to buy in at least on the short term. I don't know if I'm ready to buy in on, like, a major championship quite yet on DeChambeau, but I'm certainly willing to do so this week on the Live Tour.
4: During uh, around the world with Wes Reynolds, I have uh, I have started to look up the 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 courses for for everyone that he mentions on the DP World Tour and the uh, the attractive lodgings as well, Matt. I'm, I'm going to start ranking these out of ten every week. I'm going to give I'm going to give Barnadus here at eight and a half. This this is real solid okay. real solid look at Inlands course. I really like it. It's got castles on it and stuff. Real real fun. We should go there. Plan Nobody wants to be on
3: that trip. tour anymore and they play like amazing <laughs> courses and go to amazing cities every damn week. This is only really if, cool. Only if we
2: stay only we stay in a castle though, Kelly. Like that's <laughs> only, like, right. like, like if we're gonna go, we have to be put up in a castle. So we'll talk we'll get we'll see if the V Jets book that weekend, uh, for, for next year and we'll uh we'll we'll try to get to that. All right, fellas, we are going to uh, take a quick break here. Pay some bills. We'll be back and give you our full betting
0: cards.
3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing
2: Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, we're back here on Long Shots, Matt, Wes, and Kelly. Guys, this is why you pay attention. You want to know what we're going with. Honestly, I honestly hope you you pay attention so that you're trying to get better at, at all of this. I hope that you're taking something from this other than just the picks and, and how to go about uh, – you know, putting together models and different things and how we go about the the betting process. But if you're only here for the picks, then here we are. So let's get to it. Uh, Wes, why don't you kick things off here, buddy? What is your uh, what does your card look like?
3: OK, uh, yeah, only six. Uh, I, I usually go with about mm-hmm. six or seven. So I went with six this week on the outrights. So they're probably going to be smaller increments, though, because you have a very strong favorite that can win here and you still have, albeit an injured Jordan speed the best player over the last decade. So it wouldn't shock if he won here. Uh, uh, I started a little mid range ish. Uh, I went Justin Rose 30 to one, who by the way has won here before won this event in 2018 T nine last weekend at the PGA, but he was third on approach and we hit Rose at Pebble beach earlier this year he he's played the best golf probably in he's played in the last few years. And I think a lot of it is determined to uh, be on that Ryder cup team. I, I I'm sure he's going to be a safe guy to be on that team this year, fifth in this field for Strokes to gain putting on bent and seven of his 11 PGA career titles, uh, by the way, are on bent grass green. So I think he'll prefer it here this week. Uh, uh, Tommy Fleetwood, 35 to 1. Probably should have got a better result than he ended up getting last weekend. T18, that was good enough for a top 30 uh, prop win, but fell from the top 10 last weekend. But I think he's getting closer. He was third at the Valspar. He was fifth at the Wells Fargo. Gained in all the strokes gained categories last week at Oak Hill. Ninth in total strokes gained this season. You know, Tommy Fleetwood, it's hard to imagine this guy's never won on U.S. soil. And, and he is such a consistently good player. And I think he's shown consistency this season. Maybe this is where he pops. Uh, another former winner uh, that I am going to take here, actually won here in 2015, Chris Kirk, 42-1. to Got back in the winner's circle, of course, with that playoff victory over Eric Cole, breaking uh, Matt and I's heart on the uh, long bomb there at the Honda Classic. But he has never missed a cut in Fort Worth and is 16th or better seven times here. First-round leader here last year. Chris Kirk played very solid at the PGA, too. Made made the cut uh, last week uh, on a course that you wouldn't think would fit him because it's a little bit longer. But now you're back to kind of an intermediate, shorter course. I think Chris Kirk could play very well here. A guy I thought was going to play well at the PGA last week did not. He missed the cut. Harris English, 90-1, to has shown signs of kind of coming back to where he was in 2021 runner up at Bay Hill earlier this year also third just a couple of weeks ago at the Wells Fargo he's very good i think on these like shorter type you know par 70 par 71s are like 7000 to 7300 yards like TPC Southwind TPC River Highlands fits the bill and uh, this is kind of a notable trend that that i have found you know looking at this event that you know age is more than just a number other than burns Daniel Berger in 2020 and Spieth in 2016. Seventeen of the last 20 winners here at Colonial are over the age of 30. So you can go with veterans here, and I already have with Rose and Kirk. Throw in Harris English as well, uh, and then I think experience matters. Of the last 13 winners, there's only been three that have won that have had three career starts or fewer at Colonial. So Harris English, despite the fact that you know he doesn't have like the greatest like line form. Here, I think, could go well this week. And then a couple of uh, triple-digit shots at around 100-to-1. Hayden Buckley, 100-to-1. Made the cut at the PGA last week, T-26. Fifth in this field for greens and regulation gain and good drives gained over the last 36 rounds. Fifth at the RBC Heritage. Tenth at the Valero, all within the last couple months. So he's got good recent form. And then Emiliano Grillo, who did not make the cut at the PGA. He is at 100-to-1. Good history here. Third in 2018, eighth in 2021. Good recent finishes, was fifth in Mexico, seventh at the RBC, as always with Emiliano Grillo. You know his irons are going to be terrific, and you know his putter could get very, very cold. So, But I think these bent grass greens putt more pure, so that's going to even it out for some guys. So those are my outrights. Three matchups, Chris Kirk over Danny McCarthy, minus 125. Cage Lee, minus 150 over Minwoo Lee. Emiliano Grillo minus one forty five over Ryan Fox, so I'm going to play those new temporary PGA Tour membership guys against them in matchups.
2: I will tell you, we do share two of those names this Uh-oh. week. Kelly Bidlin, why don't you uh, why don't you give us your card and see if we have a, a pod play this week? Since it worked out so well last week. Right. <laughs>
4: Who the hell were we all on? Feedow? Is that what
2: we I don't even remember who we
4: were all on last week? Who
3: yeah, was where f- he'd be now. He'd be down at the bottom of the leaderboard. <laughs> was that, that the pod play on.
4: last week? Was it Fido? Or was, or was it Cantlay? Or, no, or was it, it Fino? Feedow. Okay,
3: okay.
4: uh, yeah, no, it was
2: it was Finau and his plus in his plus fifty-seven <laughs> last week.
4: Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, did not work out well. You're right. <laughs> all right, I got three this week. A grand total of three outrights. That that's the respect I'm showing for the top of the board. Uh, I, I, I think this is, I think it's finally my turn. I, 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 uh, pulled the trigger on Ricky Fowler at 35 to one. I All did right. go down to Ricky. Um, he was, uh, I think this sets up pretty well for Fowler to, uh, hopefully get back in to the, uh, to the, uh, winner's circle. Um, look, he was top five, in my last 12, last 24, last 36 models. Um, you know, miss that cut at the PGA. I, I, you know, again, like I said about now earlier, maybe that gives him a couple days to, to get uh, ready for this. But T14, Wells Fargo, T15, RBC Heritage, T10, Valero, T13. Uh, players, we've talked about it all year. This guy's been a top 20 machine. So outright bet on him and a top 20 bet for me. Pretty, uh, pretty uh, a larger top 20 bet. Uh, that's for sure than, than usual for me on Fowler this week. Tommy Fleetwood, I am on as well. Mr. Wes Reynolds, 37 to one on Fleetwood. Um, this was, I think both those guys were, I, I couldn't decide if I was going to out, add outrights or not, but kind of when they got, to, speaking to your point earlier, Matt, about kind of that mid range. And when I was able to find 35 plus on both of them, I ended up playing them. They're not big outright plays, but uh, played them both in the outright market, played them both heavily in the top 20 market. Uh no, no tournament. I'm kind of jumping around here. No tournament matchups for me this week. There's a there's five to seven guys that I that I really like as far as betting wise this week. But you know, just happened to be one of those weeks where the books really uh, they like to match them up all against each other. So really wasn't really wasn't much I could do with the matchups there. So a lot of top twenty action for me this week. Uh, Cam Davis. We talked about it yesterday, Matt, but I did bet him uh, pretty quick. Got forty eight on him. So kind of not the best you could have gotten this week, but definitely not uh, uh, not the worst. I think he's down around 40 or 35 now at some places. Like you said, Wes, I know he's been a popular popular play. So uh, those are my three outright bets. Top 20s, again, did play Fleetwood and Ricky Fowler. I also played Justin Rose in the top 20 market, Russell Henley in the top 20 market, and Emiliano Grillo in the top 20 market uh, at over 3-1 to one on him. And then uh, one little prop, Christian Bezudin out top South African plus one thirty. I played
3: this week. If this is a putting contest, that's probably the best bet because this guy can absolutely roll it.
4: Yeah, he's not a guy I usually bet often. Uh, but man, the the the, the South African uh, uh collective here uh, this week is not all that great. Has not been playing all that great, and uh, yeah, it, Bez Bez popped in the models, and like you said, Wes, if it becomes a putting contest, I like my chances.
2: All right, so I'll tell you real quick, and so I don't have to expound anymore on the two me and Wes share. I also played Chris Kirk. I also played Hayden Buckley. Um, Those two guys showed up very high in the models that I ran. And guys, I was just a slave to my model this week. And because, listen, I think we're we're all of the mindset that it is incredibly highly likely that Scotty Scheffler or Tony Finau or Jordan Spieth or Victor Hollick wins this tournament. Right. I mean, like, it's just like, it it is very highly likely that one of those guys wins this thing. And so I didn't start. I just, I started way further down than I normally do. And I'm willing to just kind of concede this tournament to one of those top guys. If they win it, maybe I'll get in live on one of them at some point throughout the course of the tournament. But I started at 40 to one. And, uh, it was Russell Henley and and Russell Henley was really high in every version of all of the models that I ran. And the number just didn't match where he was showing up in this field comparatively from a modeling perspective. I mean, he was as high as sixth overall in the 24 round model that I ran. And he's only behind in that model guys. It's Scheffler, Finau, Morikawa, Hovland, Sungjae, Russell Henley. Yeah. Like he's actually above Jordan Spieth in that in that version of the model in the twenty four round. So,
4: Matt the uh, the the last si- I ran I ran last sixteen oh, at uh, at at Rick Rungood. He was second in my model there behind Scheffler, second. Um, yeah, I texted West this because the only concern I kind of had about him and I played a top twenty on him. I didn't go down the outright path. The only concern I kind of had about him was the guy hasn't played much. And I was like I'm kind of searching around I'm like is there some injury thing I'm missing or something like that you know he missed at the PGA but then the last the last tournament he played before that was the RBC Heritage uh you know back in mid April
2: Yeah it's I mean it's it's certainly something that like there's got to be you know there maybe there's an answer maybe there's not maybe he just is like you know trying to work on his game more or right, something right, or yeah, whatever yeah. you know or, or 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 whatever but again it was one of those deals where if I'm going to be a slave to the numbers and I've got to actually be a slave to the numbers. And that was like, you know, again, 40 to one on a guy who's sixth in the model behind only the biggest names in the field. I, I kind of had to go there. Uh, so I talked about Chris Kirk. I talked about Hayden Buckley. The only two other guys on my card are absolute bombs, but they're just bombs that have, that are in like amazing form right now. And so since they're in amazing form, I'm going to go ahead and play them first is, Carson young at 275 to one, the guy I
3: considered him
2: like the dude is just playing very well. And look, it's kind of boomer bust, but I want that with a 275 to one. Right. I mean, like he's, he's, you know, he's T 19 cut T 15 cut T 14 cut. Like he's got a, he's got a T three. Like I, I want that. Like I, I, that's what I want in a bomb. Right. I want him to like either catch fire and like be in contention or, or, uh, or just get cut, right? And so I, I really do like that in Carson Young. A lot of things that that I think are pointing in the right direction for him, specifically, if you look at the Byron Nelson, I mean, he gained across the board there at the Byron Nelson and like a guy that is just kind of really trending in the right direction. And again, that he was showing up the model way, way, way higher than the 275 to one that you can get him on. And then this other was, again, was just a guy that was like probably inside the top 28, 27 ish of every version of the model I ran, which is Mark Hubbard, Mm. Um, Mark Hubbard. I found a 280 to one on Mark Hubbard out there. And this is something to point out and guys read into this what you will. But if you consider Circa to be one of the sharper books out there, Mark Hubbard is 135 to one at Circa. And there are 280 to ones that are available mm-hmm. in, in the market out there. So just somebody who is respected has put in some money on Mark Hubbard this week. And so mm, Rufus, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> but and probably so um, it was just one of those things where, again, another guy that was just way higher in the models than the, than the, than the price tag, you know, basically shows. And another one of those dudes, I'll take the volatility, right? T11 cut T 18 T 27 cut. You know, I mean, like I'll take that. I'm fine with that. Like, that's what I want in these huge bombs. Like, Hey, if you're, if you're playing good, you're going to be in contention and maybe you just run super pure and can actually, uh, you know, get one of these things to the finish line, or at least put me in a position to hedge and, and, you know, get a, and get some money down and, and win some stuff. So, you know, that's kind of how I looked at it uh, this week, but again, maybe I put in something between now and T off and I'll certainly put that on Twitter and maybe I'll be looking at something in tournament, but that's about it. And, and Wes, I, I just, you know, I, I guess for me, I rarely, a lot of times I don't slave to the model. I just take the mm-hmm. model numbers and then I, I, I do put in some of my own input or whatever. But to me this week with this tournament, I, I value these guys at the top so incredibly heavily. That I just use the discrepancies in what popped up to the numbers that were attached to these guys. And that's how I'm approaching it this week.
3: Well, I wanted to add one thing on Carson Young because I may end up adding him. I certainly will have a placement market on him. Carson Young, let's go back to yesterday as we record here on Tuesday. On Monday, he uh, won the Dallas qualifier at the Northwood Club for the U.S. Open by five strokes. By the way, he shot you you play 36 holes when you go into this final sectional qualifying and they're going to have more of these next week, too. And I think after the memorial in a couple weeks, 63, 62 on this course at the Northwood Club. He made, nine, he made nine straight threes in one of his <laughs> rounds yesterday, I believe. Yeah, I believe he shot 16 under and because uh, he won by five shots. Austin Eckrode was second, who actually popped on a couple of the categories I might consider for a placement Mm -hmm. as well, was 11 under. He earned one of those spots. I think there were like seven or eight spots out of Dallas. But Carson Young beat that U.S. Open qualifying field down there by five shots yesterday.
4: Is that Um, the one that Sergio was in?
3: Yeah, Sergio did make make the U.S. Open. He was not in the PGA. <laughs> so. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine
2: like you you like you advance and you think you're going to get in, and then like you look over and freaking Sergio you're like, right, exactly. takes your spot. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, like, like, like you know, you're like, some you're guy like, like thanks, Michael dude. Block. You're yeah, like, yeah, thanks, yeah, Sergio. Thanks for yeah, showing up, man. Dude. Yeah, way to ruin my <laughs> life. Yeah, th- appreciate oh, it, Sergio.
4: Speaking of that, real quick, uh, some props up on Michael Block this week. The one I got real interested the in playing. Cut. Okay, okay, Matt, there's that. Um, there's
2: zero chance he's making the cut.
4: I think I think that number was like minus 400 something like that. I forget what it was. How about, the one I'm more interested in and I think I'm going to play first round score, over under 72 and a half. Mm-hmm. And over's like minus 125. Oh. With oh every,
2: okay. All right. With every he's, 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 he's shooting three yeah. over.
4: Dude, and, he's, how many, how many, like, I mean, I, he's, he has to have been on every morning show across America oh this yeah. week, right? Like, when has this guy even had a chance to think about the next golf tournament? He was getting a
3: press story? availability. I just saw it on my Twitter timeline. He's now down there and getting it in. That's usually reserved for, like, the main guys. Like, yeah. the Skeeps and the Schefflers and that. And, I mean, he's on a stage as an interviewer interviewing him. So, yeah, this is a whole new world. And, and look, great story. I root for him, but. Yeah, I would have to play over on that problem. Yeah, I mean, and then when he hasn't been doing
2: the inter- when period. he hadn't been doing the interviews, he's just been shotgunning Bud
0: Lights or whatever. You know, I mean yeah. like, like yeah. you know he's, I mean, he's like,
3: living it and as he should. Yeah, Forty seven year old exactly. Pro from yeah. Mission Viejo. He should be like, you yeah. know what? I'm gonna make this money right now, and then I can increase my you know lessons fee because I think yeah. he charges like 150 bucks for a lesson. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and double or triple that at the bare minimum. But yeah, you should absolutely live this up, man. At this stage of your career, and maybe if he continues to play well, he's like, hey, maybe I can play on the PGA Tour Champions because we've seen a lot of guys mm-hmm. do that. That you know mm-hmm. we're not PGA Tour players or we're not very successful on the PGA Tour, and then they wait till they turn 50, and then all of a sudden they tear it up on the Champions Tour.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think, hey, Matt, I think, you know, let's give the guy some respect, okay? Bud Light, I think he's out of that realm now. He's shotgunning like Stella now or something
3: like yeah. that, okay? Dude,
4: he's, he's moved up. Stella's
2: <laughs> not worth shotgunning. Like you it's need not a worth shotgunning. No straight down. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you just got, you got to get it to go right on down, you know? Like, you want it to be water beer. Like, that's what Boom. you need to be shotgunning. Wes,
4: completely off topic. Did I see a? Did I see a NASCAR winning wife shotgun a beer right after winning a race uh, this past weekend?
3: I believe so. I think it was at the All Star race. On yeah, a, yeah. A, on a Sunday night. So, I was very
4: North impressed All-Star by that. Girl.
3: Yeah, Very yeah. so, uh, yeah, we did not see, speaking of wise, we did not see Jenna Sims, Brooks Koepka's wife, uh, because uh, she is uh, she is pregnant, so she did not make the travel. So everybody was kind of looking for uh, uh, at the end of the round on Sunday. <laughs> well, uh, it's okay. He had, in he had
4: 22 of his bros to go, like, hug him. And right. I'm like, who's that guy? Right. Oh, wait, he's nobody. Who's that guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait,
3: he's nobody. Who's that? Oh, he's Bryson DeChambeau.
4: Right. Okay, who's that guy? So, yeah. I don't know about you guys. I kept waiting to see who was the first PGA guy that was going to go congratulate him. I didn't I don't think that got caught on camera. All I saw was Bryson. There wasn't anybody from the PGA tour. So I man, it's I, I think we're I think when we talk about this live PGA tour separation, like I would think that of the PGA tour, of the guys they care the least about about like or hatred wise would be Brooks Koepka and like Dustin Johnson just because they were yeah. both so like man whatever like I'm going to take the Brad Faxon
3: brought that up actually in that little debate that went viral on Golf Channel with Brando Chamblee where Brando, of course. Arguing that Kepka shouldn't be on the Ryder Cup team and Faxon was saying he should. And look, I'm pretty against Liv. I think I've made that pretty clear, but Brooks Kepka's gotta be on the Ryder Cup team.
4: Yeah. I, I was just surprised he's still, man. His it's way like on. it's like the the line has been drawn so clear that like, God forbid you go congratulate a guy like on national television. Right. Like, come on, man. Like
3: <laughs> uh, Rory days, apparently man. did, but it was but it was privately because that's related yeah. today.
2: Guys, everything that we play, you can find over on VEASAN.com as well. So just go in $9.99 for a trial subscription. You can see if you like what you see over there, and then you can just become an annual subscriber. Everything's all written out nice and neat over there, as is Wes's full preview of this tournament as well as others out there. So worth your $9.99, trust me on that one uh go in enjoy yourself this week understand it's top heavy it's top heavy for a reason is it likely to be one of those guys it is so just know that when you go in maybe this isn't a tournament that we're that we're going to make a ton of uh, of money on but hopefully uh we can squeak one of these bombs into a into a position where we can then make some some money as we head into to sunday so hopefully that's a a way we can get it done for Wes, for Kelly. I'm Matt. Good luck on all your Charles Schwab bets.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call
1: 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith,